Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with Pastor Rob Santiago in a message he's entitled, Spiritual Intuition. Good evening, Praise Chapel Paramount. I just want to thank you guys for being here. Those of you that the leaders that are here, thank you for being here and encouraging me. Amen. I'm, I'm delighted. I want to thank Pastor Omar and Sister Letty for giving me the platform to be up here tonight and just kind of share the word with you guys. And I am going to share the word. We're going to read the Bible tonight. Is that okay? I say we read the Bible tonight. So if you're watching online right now, please grab your Bible and turn to Numbers chapter 13. But before we get into that, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would just begin to move across this place Across the internet, Father God, I pray for those that are watching at home, that they would feel an anointing that they've never felt before, Lord, that your words, your scripture would speak to them, that it would not be my voice, Lord, but that it would be your voice that changes them and that anoints them. We thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to come before you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I want to start off with just a quick story for you guys, and it was a recent story. Father's Day 2020. Okay, if you didn't think Father's Day could get, or 2020 could get any worse, this happened to me on Father's Day of 2020. Now, those of you that know, we had church, we had service, we had a delightful service, we had a great day, a great, a great morning, and then I told my wife, let's go to Outback Steakhouse, right? Let's go, let's go get a steak. Let's go get a steak. Let's go have some fun, right? So I invited my dad on out, right? So long story short, we sit down. And, and it's, just, it's just an awesome atmosphere. And, uh, and I started thinking about what am I going to eat, right? And I said, you know what? I'm not going to put a, a price tag on this bill. I'm going to get my filet mignon, man. Yeah, I'm going to get my filet mignon, right? So I said, you know, I'm going to get my filet mignon. I'm gonna... So I'm thinking like, man, I can't wait, you know? This is great. I have filet mignon like maybe once a year, if, I, if that, right? And so I'm like, this is a special occasion. I'm going to go all out, right? So I order my filet mignon, and my father orders a New York strip, just like a strip, okay? And so you have to make sure you remember that. He orders a New York strip, all right? So, you know, we're having a good time. We're talking, and all of a sudden, we get our food, right? And, uh, and I look at my steak, and I'm like, okay, cool, you know, this is great and all. And I start to eat it, and I'm like, yeah, it tastes good, you know? This is like a steak I make at home. And I said, wait a minute. This shouldn't, take like a, this shouldn't taste like a steak I eat at home. This is filet mignon. This is from a professional place, a, a restaurant, right? So I'm like, man, something in my gut, something in my intuition was just telling me this is something different. So immediately as I started to think that, my father asked me, hey, how's, how's the food? I said, it's, it's good. He goes, yeah? And he's really eating really fast. And I'm like, oh, yeah? And he goes, yeah, hey, guess what? I go, what? He goes, I got the filet mignon. And he's eating it real fast, right? And so I look at the steak. As I begin to examine the steak, I'm looking at it. I could see that the grain of meat just it didn't look great. It didn't look like filet mignon. And then I look at it, right? It's dry. It's a little dry. It's not the way I ordered it. And so I'd say, hey, waiter, you know, I flagged the waiter down. I was like, hey, man, this is a New York strip. And he, he got, I think he got my filet mignon, but he's already eaten half of it. And so the waiter goes, no, nah, are you sure about that? And I'm like, Yeah. He goes, well, you know, I've just got to make sure, sir, because and he goes on to tell me, you know, the way you ordered it, you know, we, we actually, we cook it a little bit longer, and then we put a flat iron on top of it, so it's possible that is a filet mignon, and I go, sir, this is not a filet mignon. I could tell you that right now. This is, 
He goes, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you how we do it. I said, you know, I really don't need you to tell me that this isn't a filet mignon right now. He goes, and he goes, okay, sir. If you want filet mignon, we'll get you a filet mignon. I'm like, all right. So he goes and he goes, hey, look. And he comes back, right? And he goes, look, I'm really sorry. He goes, you're right. That was a strip. I go, I wanted, I wanted to say, yeah, I know. We've had this conversation. You know, and he, and he just, he was telling me, though, he was trying to convince me that that was a filet mignon. But in my intuition, I'm like, no, it's not. That is not what I ordered. That's not what I wanted. That's not how I wanted to spend my Father's Day. That was not how I wanted to spend my Father's Day meal. And so as we begin, you know, he goes and, and he says, you know, it's going to be another 10 minutes. I said, you know what, we're going to wait. I said, that's fine. You can give me my filet mignon in 10 minutes. That's perfectly fine. So I sat there while everyone else was eating. And man, he brought the filet mignon and it was like probably the best steak I ever ate, right? So that, and that story, the reason I tell you that story is because I want to talk to you tonight about intuition. Because I think intuition is something that we use throughout our daily lives. We make decisions based off our intuition. When I was growing up and I began to play sports, my coach would always tell me, when the clock's about to run out, just use your gut. Just use your gut feeling. I can remember, I remember him just yelling from the sideline, use your gut. Use your gut feeling. Right? And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. You know, everyone gets really scared when the clock's running out. But you got to use your gut, right? And so I started to realize intuition is a big deal in our lives. Sometimes we make really, really important decisions based off the intuition that we have. But I don't want to talk to you about just any intuition tonight. I want to talk to you about spiritual intuition. Spiritual intuition. I think it's something that we need to identify in our spiritual walk that we need to continually use our spiritual intuition to make decisions and to move forward in our spirituality. And I think, especially in a time like this, when we have this uh, home lockdown and we can't go anywhere and it's happening again, right? We, and it's like, man, what do I do? Do I just lay here? No, you use your spiritual intuition. What time is Praise Chapel Paramount going online? When, it, when can I get, catch the next service in that church, online. When can I do? And this is you just using your spiritual intuition. Should I spend time in prayer? Yes. Should I read my Bible? Yes. This is the time to do that. And your spiritual intuition should be telling you that. The definition of intuition is the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious or reasoning. In other words, I shouldn't have to tell you that you should be reading your Bible, that you should be praying during this time, that you should be tuning in right now to hear a sermon and to hear the word of God. One thing I love is, is I was like, you know what, maybe I have too much scripture for tonight. And I said, you know what, who cares, man? Because it's not me that, need, you don't need to hear something from me, you need to hear something from God. So I'm gonna use God's word to speak tonight, amen? And it's really God's word that's gonna speak to you. It's not necessarily me. So I wanna just kind of paint the context here of the scriptures I'm about to read. Uh, Numbers chapter 13, I already told you to turn there and I hope you got your Bible ready and you're ready to read with me, okay? But the context is Israel is wandering. They don't have a place. They're looking for that land, that milk and honey, right? That, that spiritual land, that promised land that was promised to them. And they go out, and Moses tells a few to go scout and spy out the land. Now, when they went to go spy out the land, immediately they saw how luscious the fruit was, how big it was, how, how, how good everything tasted. This land was just ready, ready to be inhabited. 
The only problem is it was already inhabited. So let's read. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 25, for those of you watching online, read along with me. It says, we entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. Verse 28, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak were there. In verse 29, the, Am- uh, the Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill, hill countryside. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. This sounds like a land that is already inhabited, that is already taken, that has already been taken, and now the Israelites are feeling like, yeah, it has everything we want. It's got all the promises God gave us, but unfortunately, there's something else there that's standing in the way. And it's all these these tribes that are there that are just standing in the way of the Israelites finding their promised land. But if you continue to read in verse 30, and this is who I want us to highlight tonight, it's, it's Caleb, okay? And it says in verse 30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land amongst the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. In other words, they looked at it and they said, this is an insurmountable situation. I can't, we cannot conquer this land For one second, this is just, we are being overwhelmed with how much opposition is in that land. Now, if you you continue to read, it jumps into chapter 14. Just continue along with me. It says in verse 1, Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and against Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return back to Egypt? Then they plotted against themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua and Caleb, son of Jephthah, tore their clothes, they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land. They are only help. They are only helpless prey. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Let's stop right there. Caleb had a different attitude than the rest of everyone else in, that, in, in, the, in the Israelites. He had a different, completely different vision, a completely different attitude, and he went against popular influences. If you're taking notes, Caleb went against popular influence. Now let's think about some of the popular influences today. You could think about if you turn on the news, popular influences. You could think about all the politicalness that's going on, right? 
And one thing I've noticed is that the world is trying to tell you how to feel. The world is trying to tell you how to feel. You should be scared. You should be mad. You should be upset. You should do this. And I'm telling you, church, it has become a place where we run to, where we think, okay, I'm being told to feel this way. I need to feel this way. Do you think Caleb felt that way? Just like the people, the Israelites were saying, you know what, Caleb? That we can't go through that land. There's so much opposition. And the Bible says that they began to spread that news to everyone else. So it was Caleb and Joshua were the only ones, they were the only ones that believed. But the surrounding influences, their brothers and sisters did not believe. See, church, sometimes you need to take a stance for what you believe. Sometimes you need to understand the greater picture of what God is trying to do in your life. The news is going to tell you you need to be upset at this. But sometimes you don't need to, be, you don't need to have the feelings about it at all. You just need to worship God and pray for people. Because if you continue to be upset and they tell you to be angry, if you're angry and you're mad, the last thing you want to do sometimes is go before God. A lot of times, you know, when I'm angry, the last thing I want to do is, like, go before God. I'm mad. I don't want a solution. I want to stay mad. Am I the only one out there that feels that way sometimes? Right? When emotion takes over, your spiritual, your spiritual intuition is non-existent. Your emotions begin to flood you, and now it's just kind of a feeling. It's no longer an intuition. But your spiritual intuition should say, man, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to pray for my nation. I'm going to go to church because we have major issues in our country. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that for the church. And I'm going to serve God through these times. And you know what? If anybody else is feeling angry or if anybody else is feeling overwhelmed by our political environment, I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to love them. And that's really the attitude that we should have. Not trying to be influenced, but say, hey, come here, let me pray for you. Sometimes we begin to look at things with a political lens rather than a Christian lens. Because the world is telling us we need to look at it this way. We need to feel this way. The world is putting lenses in front of you. And your spiritual intuition has left. All it does is take you farther away from God. It pulls you away. See, church, recognize that you have a different purpose in your life. Your purpose is a spiritual purpose, a purpose to influence other people for the kingdom of God. Amen? And you, you should not be having any feelings of fear and be distracted by it. I remember when I first started uh, ministry, one of the biggest things I struggled with was anxiety. Those of you that have known me a long time, I get nervous. I get a little, I get a little jumpy. You know, and I can't settle down. And I remember, man, people just kept telling me, like, you need to preach or you need to do this. And I'm like, man, there were times where I, I, I personally, I was like, dude, I don't want to do this. I'm so nervous. And I remember just kind of feeling the fear and sometimes willing, like, just want to back out. I just want to, I want to run away. I don't want to do it. You know, and I know that there's people out there that are watching online. You probably feel the same way. You're probably like, I don't know if I could ever preach the word of God. I don't know if I could ever read the Bible like so-and-so, or I can't be like that person. No one's telling you like you have to be like anybody. The only influence you should have is Christ. And it should not be fear telling you you can't do that. 
Because when you look at that, you're probably saying, well, fear is something that the enemy uses to keep you from moving forward and you using your spiritual intuition. See, your fear can divide you. Your fear can keep you from being that spiritual purpose and that spiritual influence in someone else's life. So when you're told that you should be afraid, when you're told that you should be angry, these feelings are not feelings that your spiritual intuition should be reacting on. But rather, you should be having faith, amen? Church, I want to move on from being influenced by the TV. I want to move on from being influenced by everything that's going on just because a politician has a lot of money and wants to do this and, and, and control us. I want us to move away from that because I see a lot of Christianity is turning into that. Don't bring politics into the church. Don't, be, don't bring politics in between friendships. You're commanded to love one another. Not be divided as, as our political environment wants us to be. But I'm seeing a lot of brothers and sisters that are constantly fighting with a political lens rather than a Christian lens. And it's not that we have to always agree with everything, but we always have to love each other. Because when you start to emote that love, God begins to move not only in that person's life, but in your own life. And that's your spiritual intuition that I want to tell you about. Because when you think about spiritual intuition, you're probably like, what is that? Well, all you have to do is read Galatians 5 and 6. So you'll understand that the, the fruits of the Spirit and what they are, and then the fruits of the flesh, the sin that, could be, that can corrupt us. But Caleb saw the land. He looks at it, and he remembers, wait, God promised this is covenant. God promised this. Nowhere did in the Bible did God say, or nowhere in the prophecy did God say that this was going to be easy, that the land was just going to be there for us. See, church, sometimes you got to go get it. My brother, Pastor Isaac, man, he, he tore it up last Wednesday. Wake up. Sometimes you got to go get it. Sometimes we're just sitting there waiting for it, like, okay, God, where are you? I'm at church. Where are you? Like it was some blind date. Do we really want to treat God like that in our lives? Hey, God, I'm here, but where are you? Man, God was with you in the car. He was with you at home. He's been with you. He's been waiting for you. But you're sitting, you're sitting there saying, well, God, where are you? I haven't felt you in so long. I'm not going to that church. I don't feel God. I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm going to say it with confidence. I just read a lot of scripture to you. If you're not feeling God, then there's something wrong with you. Right? And I'll tell you, anybody that comes on this pulpit, you better, you know, we have scripture ready. We have scripture ready. We, we are speaking with the word of God. I, I, what I'm doing is I'm just bringing out something to you that was already said and written down. So if you're sitting there saying, I need to find a new church. I need, I, you know, I, you know, I'm just not feeling it anymore. You know, they, over at that church, they have this over there. Over at that church, they do it better. Over at this, and I'm just like, what? And I think we forget sometimes, church. I think we forget. Let's continue to read. Let's go into verse 10 because there's something else I want to bring out in this passage. Okay, we're going to read another chunk of scripture in Numbers um, chapter 14, verse 10. It says, but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Well, that's unfortunate. See, what happens to church, I don't mean to stop here, but I'm just feeling like I need to. When you start to rise up and you start to do godly things, people try to tear you down. Because they're not looking at things with the Christian lens. They're looking at things with a political mindset. They don't like you raising up. They want to be raised up. 
but they're going about it the wrong way. And here we, we just have, I'm going to read it again, but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Let's continue. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. So here comes God in verse 11. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. Now look what it says in verse 13. But Moses objected. This is a heavy, heavy verse. If you're looking at this with the lens of theology, Moses is objecting to God. Hold on, God. Now look what he says. What will the Egyptians think when they hear about it? He asked the Lord. They know full well the power you displayed in rescuing your people from Egypt. Now if you destroy them, the Egyptians will send a report to the inhabitants of this land who have already heard that you live among your people. They know, Lord, that you have appeared to your people face to face and that your pillar of cloud hovers over them. They know that you go before them in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Verse 15. Now, if you slaughter all these people with a single blow, the nations that have heard of your fame will say, the Lord was not able to bring them into the land. He swore to give them, so he killed them in the wilderness. Please, Lord, prove that your power is great as you have claimed. For you said the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. Let's stop right there. There is a form of intercession that is happening there. Moses sees that his people are starting to lose themselves. He understands that God is upset. God wants to disown the people of Israel because of the way they're acting. Because they've complained, because they have no faith, because they are not going off their spiritual intuition. They know because of the promises that were given to them that they are supposed to take that land. And God has even put this, the, the zeal in Joshua and Caleb to tell them that and remind them. But what do they do? They say, let's stone Joshua and Caleb. So Moses has nothing else to do but to pray. He talks to God. But the way he talks to God, church, is he convinces him. He talks to God like he does life with him. I want to park it right there for a second. Sometimes we need to just talk to God like we do life with him. But I think sometimes when we, we come to church, that's the only time we talk to God. And it's formal. You're saying some kind of formal prayer. You're saying something that is repetitive. Right? Even in the Bible, Jesus says, don't, don't pray like the babbling pagans. But this prayer is interesting. This conversation between Moses and God is very interesting to me. And I love it because it gives us an understanding of how God wants to treat humanity. Of how God wants to see his people converse with him. See, Moses persuades God if he continue to read. And he doesn't wipe them out. He doesn't disown them. But he agrees with Moses. All right, Moses, you got it. We're going to keep pressing forward. And he says uh, in verse 25, now turn around and don't go on toward the land where the Amalekites and the Canaanites live. Tomorrow you must set out for the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. 
In other words, don't take it yet. You're going to go in and offer it. You're going to go in another direction. You're going to, you're going to, we're, going to, we're going to do what you say, Moses. And I think sometimes, church, we forget that we can talk to God. That we can talk to him like we do life with him. Like we could talk to God like he's right there with us. See, Moses talked to God like he does life with him. And we're hesitant at times to do that. But we should be doing that. Like, you know what, God, I don't know what you're doing, man. Some of the best times in my life is when I told God that. Hey, God, I'm a little upset with you. Hey, God, I don't know about what you're doing here, but this isn't part of the plan that I, I understood that we had. When you start, and, and you know what we call that? We call that wrestling with God. Understanding his purpose. Understanding his purpose for our life. And it's all it is. It's just trying to get a sense of what God wants. I think people come to me sometimes, ask me questions. Do you think God would be mad if I, so if you have to ask that question, he probably is going to be mad. Right? But we care, but we as Christians should care how God feels. We as Christians should care how God feels. I think we don't care about that a lot of the times. And you know what, God, I'm going to go ahead and do this thing. But, you know, Moses, it was interesting. He understood that God was upset. And he says, hey, hold on, God. Hold on a second. I know you're upset. But if you do this, everyone's going to doubt your power. Everyone's going to doubt your plan that you had. Because everyone understands the prophecies that was given to the Israelites. See, not only is your nation watching, Lord, but other nations are watching as well. And Moses makes a convincing argument. And God agrees. One thing I want for my life is that every time I pray that I am in an agreement with what God is doing in my life. Church, always line things up with, hey, is this something God wants me to do? Is this a decision that God wants me to move forward with? And I think sometimes things move so fast that we just, you know, forget it. You know? Lord, should I be feeling this way? And you know what, church? It's that intuition. It's that spiritual intuition that needs to be in your life. You should already know. You shouldn't even have to ask. You should already know. If you read your Bible, you go to church, you worship God, you shouldn't have a lot of questions. We're going to be, we're going to do church together. Amen. That's what we do in this church. Amen. And so when you line up your decisions in your life with God in mind, you'll never be disappointed. See, your spiritual intuition should be present all the time. It's not then that you're not doing enough to strengthen your spiritual life, right? If it's not, if you're not looking at it, you're not strengthening your spiritual life. But in James chapter 3, verses 11 through 12, it says this. It says, does a fountain send out from the same opening fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt produce fresh water? Think about it, church. What's inside of you? Because whatever is inside of you, that's what's going to come out. Whatever is inside of you, that's what's going to come out. And I think, well, should I be operating with my spiritual intuition? Yes. You should always be looking at things with a spiritual lens rather than some other lens that's being, that you're being told to look at things at. You know, but whatever's inside of you is going to come out. So what's inside of you? That's my question to you. Now let's all pretend that we're all saved and we're all going to go to heaven, right? 
And let's, because that, that's what we do, right? We're, we're contending. Let's all pretend we're going to get in there. That means if you feel, if you could say without a doubt, 100%, I'm going to make it into heaven, then you have Jesus inside of you, right? It's logic. You have Jesus inside of you. If you feel that way, then you got Jesus inside of you. And so if you have Jesus inside of you, what does that really mean? Well, if you start to look at it, what is Jesus called? One of the things Jesus is called is the Lion of Judah. When you invited Jesus into your life, you have a lion inside of you. You have something more than everyone else. You have Jesus. You have a king. You have the Lion of Judah. And when I think about that and I put it in perspective, I turn to Revelations and in Revelation chapter 5, verse 4, it says, Then I began to weep bitterly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look at the lion of the tribe of Judah. The heir of David's throne has won the victory. He is worthy of opening the scrolls. See, church, when he opens the scrolls, that means judgment. You have the person that is going to bring judgment upon the earth inside of you. You have the lion inside of you. Now, here's the thing, church. Some of you have the lion inside of you, but you don't act like it. There's nothing lying about you. I remember I went to Africa last year. I was in Africa this time last year, believe it or not. And I got to go on, on several safaris, okay? And one thing that scared me is I was right next to two lions. And it was scary. But one thing I noticed when I was that close to them, their bellies were full. And they would hang low. Okay? And then I would notice other lions, their bellies weren't full. And you know what? They were on hunt. They want their bellies full. They want to be filled up. They want to be filled up. They want to be full all the time and their bellies and I actually saw lions actually eating other animals and I'm like what the heck this is awful it was a mess and I started to look at it I'm like wow why are they so why are they so hungry like why are they why are they so primal like this is amazing you know and I started to look at it like man these things are powerful and I remember just seeing the lions yeah you look at them at first and they're cute and they're but when they're full they're nice and lazy they're relaxed they're calm because they're filled up. And when I think about a lion, I think about the lion that's inside of us. But sometimes we act like we're just, there's just sheep inside of us. We act like there's just some other animal inside of us. And it becomes extremely disappointing to see that. And I want to grab some people sometimes and like, look, bro, look, sis, you got a lion inside of you. And, and I look at other, my, my fellow leaders, right? And, I, and, and as we're getting ready to minister to people in this church, right? And as, as they have Jesus inside of them, and I hand them a microphone, I say, you do you, and you just let it flow. And you let it go, man. You have a lion inside of you. You let it go. You have authority inside of you. And that's the spiritual intuition I'm talking about tonight, is that there's no, there's no one that could tell you Oh, you have to feel this way, or you have to do this, or you have to conform, or you have to react this way, or you have to be on this political side of the aisle. There's no one that should tell you that because you have a lion inside of you. 
You have the king of kings inside of you. You have Jesus inside you that is making his rounds around other people. He's changing lives. And and really, you want to degrade yourself to just putting yourself in a political environment. And I think it's killing us as Christians. I see it in my very church. I see it in this, my own church where people are beginning to come, become divided because of political influence rather than the influence of the word of God. We are, it, is, it is clear as day in the Bible that we are to not be divided. But we allow it so easily to be divided. We start getting mad at each other because of our differences. When in reality, we're trying to worship and get into heaven together. In Proverbs 28, verse 1, it says, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. And I'm here to challenge you, church, to be bold in your Christianity. What does that mean today? That means you can't wait till service starts. That means you set time aside to hear what's happening online. You're not walking around somewhere trying to watch a service online. No, 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 no. Get this, church. You're actually making time for it. You're sitting down on your couch or you're in your quiet place watching on your phone with headphones on, not wanting to be disturbed because that is what spiritual intuition should do to you. It shouldn't be a second thought. Like, oh yeah, I turned in the service and you checked that box. And, and, I, and the reality is in this time of COVID, it's just an interesting time, Right? But it's hard for Christianity. Don't tell me it isn't. It's hard for Christianity. It's hard to keep it going. And if you're not tuning in or you're not watching or you're not here in service on Sundays, I can guarantee it's going to be 10 times harder. It's like you're adding three more walls or three more barriers to getting to Jesus again. And I'm seeing it. I'm just seeing it. And I really was feeling it as I was writing this, this, this sermon, you know, that there's just a lot of us that are, that are playing this game saying, I'll be a lion later. In other words, Christ, I want you in my life, but I'll, I'll be the person you want me to be some other time. I'll be the person you want me to be another day when I'm ready. And, and it's, just, it's, 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 you know, it's just really concerning for someone like me to see that. You know, and, and, and I just want to encourage you What's inside you? And I'm going to close with this, but what's inside of you? Ask yourself, what exactly is inside of you? What lens are you looking at things with? How is your spiritual intuition tonight? John Piper says this, and I love this quote. He says, if you can't see the sun, you will be impressed with streetlights. If you've never felt thunder and lightning, you'll be impressed with fireworks. And if you turn your back on the greatness and the majesty of God, You'll fall in love with a world of shadows and short-lived pleasures. See, because what I'm talking about is eternal. Your spiritual intuition is thinking about eternal. It's not thinking about a feeling that you're being told to, to, to feel. It's not thinking about a political movement that once life ends, it's not gonna matter anyways. What matters is that we think about Jesus and that we don't forget what he's done for us. See, we're trying to chase these short pleasures when in reality, God changed your life one time at this altar. God changed your life one time and you felt the spirit of God. You felt him in your life and he, he changed you. But yet we're so quick to forget about it because of some political movement or something on, the, on TV is telling us how to feel a certain way. 
And I'm challenging you and your spiritual intuition tonight. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.